interesting. Uh, two firsts for me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I speak for my whole family. Uh, well, I'm the only one that's been driving here, so that's a first for me. I have visited here a number of times and vowed to never drive a car here. So uh, I broke that vow uh, yesterday and today, but it hasn't actually been too bad. I've been rather proud of myself. My, my family's been cheering me on a little bit, but I think I've been doing most of the cheering myself. So I've done pretty well so far. Uh, but uh, another first, I, I've never seen a guy get hit by a car before. That was a first. Got to, got to see that firsthand, and uh, I guess I could say three firsts. Uh, I've never, I never seen a guy get hit by a car before in person. I've been hit by a car. But I've never, I've never seen a guy get hit by a car and then walk away. <laughs> like, nothing happened. I mean, he didn't try to get anybody's insurance. I mean, he just, I don't know, he may have even apologized to the guy. I don't know. He just, he just took off, and we were sitting there. Our whole family were like, did that just happen? He just got hit. He passed our car. It wasn't like we saw it in the distance. We're sitting here. This guy walks in front of our car, and then right beside us comes this taxi, and bam, hits the guy. And the guy just kind of bumps over and looks at the cab and keeps going. So... That was exciting. Also, you know, all kinds of fun things happening here in New York City. See, so, no, we're we're glad to be here. And there's my boy calling me. Yeah, he's going to be in here tonight. That'll be fun. So, yeah. So it's been uh, it's been a fun time already. Sure enjoyed uh, our Sixth Avenue Baptist this morning, and that was a blessing. Sure enjoyed the services there. Looking forward to what the Lord is going to do this evening. And uh, so on that. Uh, on that note, why don't we go ahead and turn our Bibles to the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And uh, we'll get started there this evening. So um, what I wanna, I'm going to try to kind of get a lot of things out of the way in the beginning so that we can kind of just keep going once we get started. Um, but here, here in the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. We're about to read just a few verses. We'll be starting actually in um, verse 45. But as we're reading this, what I want you to kind of think about and imagine, and I would ask you to really do that tonight, just kind of put your, your thinking caps on and just really really uh, plug in uh, uh, and consider what's going to be before you this evening. Uh, but I want you to think of this not from... Um, not, not necessarily as you normally would, you know, uh, here we are in the, in the, so what are we, in the 21st century? Is that where we're at? Yeah, 21st century. So here we are in the 21st century. A good bit of, of history, a good bit of time has taken place, has gone by from the time of, of, of uh, the writing of the gospel uh, accounts uh, and even the rest of the New Testament. A good bit of time has gone by. Matter of fact, everybody in here has been able to enjoy a complete copy, uh, a, a, a complete Bible, the, the complete revelation of the Word of God. We have it in, in one place. It's not like pieces here and pieces there, and we only have one particular piece at any given time. We, we have, have been uh, blessed to enjoy a complete Bible in our hands, and so uh, a lot of times, being on this side of history and being on this side of the complete revelation of the Word of God, there just seems to be, at times, I know in my own personal life, much that we take for granted when we read the Word of God. I mean, you think about even the stuff that takes place in the gospel accounts, even with regard to Jesus Himself, uh, just the wild things that took place 
during his time and even with the apostles, some of the things that they did. I mean, uh, with with people being miraculously healed right before uh, uh, others eyes. I mean, could you imagine having a relative uh, uh, that has never been able to walk? They were born that way. Now, 40 plus years old, never having been able to walk. You know, this is no sham. They're not just trying to con money out of people. I mean, it's a real deal. They can't walk. They've never been able to walk. And then all of a sudden, uh, Peter comes by and, and this relative you've known forever, not able to walk, is now not just walking, but he's walking and leaping and praising God. I mean, that's incredible. That doesn't just happen every day, does it? This one, this is the no one right here. No. Anybody ever seen that firsthand? I never have. Incredible stuff. So, we want to try not to take anything for granted. For instance, this letter, the Gospel of Luke. You, you realize it originated as a letter. Luke. Luke was writing a letter to this fella by the name of Theophilus. Somebody that we know very little about. And so I want you to imagine uh, tonight... That you don't know the whole story. You don't know uh, everything that Jesus' life on this earth meant. Because as far as we know, Theophilus, as far as we know, he may not have even been a saved man. We don't know anything really about him. There's a lot of speculation about who he was or who he might have been. But nothing we know concretely. And so here he is. He has this letter from Luke. It's one of the gospel accounts about Jesus of Nazareth, and who he claimed to be, and claims to be. And all that was said to have happened under his work, by his hand. Can you imagine reading that letter? The stuff that took place? It's an incredible account. And what's interesting is where we're about to start reading, what has just happened? Now, if you're much of a reader, you know a good plot doesn't just have nothing but good things happening, right? A good plot has ups and downs. There's got to be some tragedy, right, and some triumph at some point. I mean, if it's going to be a good story, a captivating story. Well, here's this letter by Luke. And what has just taken place is Jesus... The, the leader of this group, the head of this group, kind of the, 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 the hero of the account, has just been crucified. These men, they were counting on him. I wish we could go back there. And, and, and just get an idea of, of what that was like. Again, I, I just, it's just so, we, we miss out on so much because we're, we're privy to so much. I don't know, it's just, it's just complacent about so much. But everything that they, uh, uh, their faith was built on, seemingly there for a moment anyways, had been taken from them. And so here they are, confused, frightened, in despair. And Theophilus is reading all about it. This tragedy of the account. 
And so he gets to this place uh, uh, here. What, what has taken place is you have two of them walking uh, there on the road to Emmaus. They, they find out that, uh, that Jesus is not in the tomb any longer. And so here comes Jesus. He appears unto them. They don't know who he is. And, and uh, they begin to uh, relay to him all that has just taken place because he's asking them what's going on. And they're like, where have you been? Have you not heard all that has happened? And so all this goes on. He follows along with them and then begins to explain uh, Christ uh, through the scriptures to them. Uh, all this takes place. He ends up appearing before uh, uh, the group there. And this is where we'll pick up verse number 45. It says, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is written. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remissions of remission of sins should be preached and his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up, uh, uh, and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Again, can you just imagine everything in their world had just been turned upside down. And then in a moment, here he is standing right before them. What do you know? He's not still dead. What do you know? He's not in the grave any longer. And so what has happened here at the very end of this account, if you're reading it for the first time and you're reading it with fresh eyes like Theophilus would have been reading it, it's just an incredibly exciting time where Jesus, the one again who seemed to be the hero of the account, it seemed like all was lost. And now in a split second, here he is no longer dead and defeated. Matter of fact, it turns out he was not defeated at all. Here he is alive and well, and we have an incredibly triumphant ending to an account here. Don't we? Jesus, it was a victorious ending. He wasn't defeated by death. He defeated death. He wasn't defeated by sin. He overcame sin and took care of it for us on the cross. It, it was a, it's a very good ending, isn't it? And it is an ending. Doesn't it just have that tone about it? I mean, all the loose ends are kind of tied up there very nicely. And so we have the end of this letter. I don't know how Theophilus would have responded to this. I don't know how it would have affected him. Again, you think about some of the incredible things that he's just read about. I mean, even the ascension itself is a very wild, wild thing when you think about it. You imagine somebody walks up to you and and uh, you ask them about, I don't know, their dad or whatever. You know, maybe they just got through talking to their dad or whatever. And you ask, well, how's he doing? Well, craziest thing just happened. We were talking. He said his goodbyes. And he floated away into the sky. Huh? What are you going to think when somebody tells you that? I, mean, I imagine that you're probably not going to be like, oh, cool. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah, my aunt did the same thing last week. Probably not, huh? Incredible. That's one of the last things Theophilus read about. So I don't know how, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I, I like to imagine what that might have sounded like to him. By the way, it's the end. The end. No reason to believe that there's anything else. Luke's letter was wrapped up nicely. So Theophilus reads it, goes on about his business, obviously keeps the letter because we have a copy of it even today. So uh, he must have put it on a shelf or something. I don't know. 
but he has the letter. Well, now we get to our text for the evening. Turn to the book of Acts, if you would, chapter 1. What we're going to be dealing with very quickly here is two books of the Bible. Not just, not just, we're going to read one verse here in the book of Acts. We're really going to be dealing with two books of the Bible. I hope it will be a help to you and an encouragement to you this evening. Two books of the Bible, because, see, these two books, the Gospel of Luke and the, the book of Acts here, they are, uh, what they do is they form a series of letters. It's like a two-part series. Both of them written by Luke, both of them addressed to this fellow by the name of Theophilus. Okay? So here we go. Uh, we fast forward a few years at least. And Theophilus, I don't know what they did back then, if they went out and checked the mail or however that worked, but he gets another letter. And it's from Luke. I don't know, maybe he, maybe he would have said something like this. You know, it's been a while since I've heard from Luke. Maybe he was a little excited. We don't know, again, much about the relationship there. I wonder if he may have recalled the other letter that he had received and read. Maybe he hadn't read it for a while. But here's the new letter. This new letter that Luke's write, Luke writes to him. And here's how it begins. Look at verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus... What's the word there? Began. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began, both to do and teach. Let's pray. We'll get into the message. Father, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this evening. And I do pray that your will would be done. That your will would be accomplished. I pray that hearts would be tuned in and ready to hear from you. And I pray, God, that all of us would honor you with our participation this evening. Again, that your, your spirit would have liberty. We just trust that your word would go forth and be effective. In your name we pray. Amen. So here he is, the former treatise. So he begins to read this letter, and this is how it begins. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began. Now, wait a minute. I remember how the last letter ended. The last letter ended, Luke, with Jesus Ascending into heaven. He's no longer on this earth. Now what, you, what Luke has just written to Theophilus, that doesn't sound like Jesus' work is done at all, does it? When you use a word like began, you're not talking about something that is done, are you? No, I'll help you, I, I'll help you out here. Think about this. Anybody, well, anybody here a dentist? Nobody? I got to count. I've, not, I've been in churches all over America. I've asked that question. I don't know how many times. You a dentist? Oh, yeah. Never, never met one in a church anywhere. I answer when you start starting churches is in dentist offices or something along those lines, or maybe locate one near there because I've not met one dentist, a dental hygienist, and they gave me a hard time after I did what I'm about to do. But there are none of those here either. I hope so. Maybe I won't offend anybody too much. You ever been? Anybody like the dentist? Yeah, yeah, just wait. You'll change your mind about that. Yeah, it's no fun. I don't care why you're there or what they're doing. It's just no fun. From the second I walk in, I get so nervous because of the smell, the smell of drilled teeth. It scares me. I'm so uncomfortable when I go, when I even think about a dentist, I don't like it. So let's pretend that you went to the dentist's office and they did all this uh, wonderful work. Gave you a beautiful smile. 
worth all the pain and discomfort, I'm sure. You make it out of there, you survive. Glad for that. A few days later, you get a phone call. It's your dentist. He says, yeah, Mr. Lust, this is your dentist. I just wanted to discuss with you all the work that we began last week. What did he just tell you? Huh? With one word, do you know what he just said? We're not done yet. There's more that I intend to do. Huh? And so Luke writes. This is the same Luke that wrote this incredible letter prior that seemed to have this nice, perfect ending. He starts off the new letter like this. The former treatise, which, by the way, is a reference. It means the former communication. He's referencing the last letter that he had written to Theophilus. And this is what he does. He sums up the content of the letter. And who better to do that than the individual that the Holy Spirit inspired to write it? I mean, this isn't like somebody reading the letter and doing their best to give their summary of the account. No, this is Luke himself telling Theophilus what that letter was all about. And what does he say? The former treatise, O Theophilus, have I made of all that Jesus, not all that Jesus did and taught. It's not past tense. He's not writing about what Jesus did and what Jesus taught. He's not saying that that letter was about all this past stuff. No, he writes that that letter, this is what he said, that letter, Theophilus, it was about all that Jesus, what's the word? Began. And with one word, Luke communicates to Theophilus, Jesus isn't done yet. That was only the beginning. What an incredible thought. I hope you appreciate that this evening. Jesus isn't done yet. Jesus isn't seated up on the right hand of the Father idle. No, as far as Luke is concerned, the gospel account, the entire earthly ministry of Christ, that wasn't his completed work. It was his completed work on the cross But he was just getting the ball rolling as far as his business here on this earth is concerned. And it's not like whenever he ascended into heaven, as we have the account here, it's not like when he ascended into heaven, he went to that group of believers, passed the baton off to them and said, here you go, it's all yours. Nope, it wasn't like that at all. Jesus himself still intends to do work here on this earth. It's his business. It's his work. And so with one word, Jesus, uh, Luke communicates to Theophilus, apparently that Jesus began a work that it seems like he, he intends to continue. Now, remember, if you're Theophilus, that might present a bit of a problem. How is Jesus, who is now in heaven, going to continue a work here on earth? How does that make sense? How's he going to do that? Now, you think about the book of Acts. The entire letter. Remember, we're talking about two entire letters and what Luke is trying to communicate to Theophilus over the course of the two. We're going to take a broad step back here. And so you think about the letter in the book of Acts, what all Luke writes about. You start the the letter out, chapters 1 through 8. You have a church, one church there in Jerusalem. Jesus established during his earthly ministry. You have a, a New Testament church. One. Chapters 8 through 12. That church, because of persecution, is then scattered. Many of the members are scattered abroad. And the gospel is published with them all over. Verse, or chapter number 11. Barnabas is sent down to Antioch. Seemingly to organize the second church. 
that we have, I mean, there may have been more started along the way, I don't know, but we have record of church number two, Antioch. Chapter 13, something significant happens in that church there at Antioch. Holy Spirit shows up and says, separate unto me uh, Paul and Barnabas, or Barnabas and Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And they're sent out. And what do Barnabas and Paul do? Well, they go all over the world. Barnabas and Paul, and then, and then Barnabas and John Mark, and then Paul and Silas. They go all over the world preaching the gospel. And if you were to look at it chronologically, if you were to, if you were to uh, uh, take in and uh, overlap the letters of the New Testament uh, uh, based on time, you would find out that many of the letters that Paul had written were written during the Acts account. And who were they written to? Churches. Now stay with me. Luke starts off the letter. Jesus began a work that Jesus intends to continue. And he starts off talking about one church. Goes on to talk about two churches. By the time the letter is done, there are churches all over. And that ought to tell you something about the significance of the role of the local New Testament church in the work that Jesus began. How is Jesus going to continue a work on this earth now having been ascended or having ascended into heaven? Here's how. He's going to continue that work. He intends to continue that work and has always, since before the beginning of time, intended to continue that work. How? By way of the local New Testament church. That's his institution. Now, you think about that. What's the purpose of a local New Testament church? What's it supposed to be all about? The local New Testament church is supposed to be the vehicle through which Jesus can continue the work he began. That's it. This is inspiring, isn't it? I can tell y'all are like, yeah. It is really good. The disciples didn't have to sit around and figure out what to do. It had been made clear. So Jesus intends to continue his work. He began a work that he intends to continue. Intends to continue it by way of the local New Testament church. That begs the question. What's the work that Jesus began? If Jesus began a work, what is the work that Jesus began? What is it that he began to do and began to teach? Well, it starts right here. It is finished. It is finished. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Creator himself, came to earth. And what did he endure? What did he subdue himself to? What did he submit himself, subject himself to? Well, he subjected himself to the mockery of his creation, to the humiliation uh, 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 of being uh, put on a cross. Uh, this, is, this is not just some man. This is the Creator. This is the Almighty. This is the King of kings. This is the Lord of lords. This is the Most High. This is the Most Majestic. This is God. 
subjected himself to that. Why? Well, to provide the gospel, of course. Surely if you're saved in here today, you can appreciate that he went through all of that so that you and I could say, I don't have a sin debt. I don't have that burden on my shoulder. And these very men understood that they didn't have that anymore. Why? Because of the work that Jesus did here with his death and his burial and his resurrection. But listen, he didn't just come to provide a gospel. What good does that gospel do if it doesn't get to those who need it? Huh? How good would the gospel have been to you if it had never made it to you? There are millions. I heard a number today, even in, here in Brooklyn, four million people in Brooklyn alone. What good is the gospel to them if it never makes it to them? So you understand it wasn't just about finishing that work. It wasn't just about providing a gospel. That gospel needs to be broadcast and it needs to be published to the entire world. And so Jesus comes down and yes, he provides a gospel, but he also provides us with this institution, this organism called the local New Testament church. And what is its purpose? Not only did it behoove Christ to suffer in Luke, but it's also necessary that what? Repentance and remission of sins should be preached, is what he says. Published. You are witnesses of these things, is what he says. The other gospel accounts, even the book of Acts would say something along these lines. Go you know the world and preach the gospel. You ever think about what Jesus told his disciples when he very first recruited them? Come, follow me, and I will make you what? Very first thing. What's the last thing he said to him? Go in all the world. You know what we call that? We call it the Great Commission. You know how appropriate that is? You know that term? That term is used in the Navy. Oh, it's awesome. The Navy, whenever it builds a ship, what it'll do is it'll, it'll assemble the ship, it'll assemble the crew, find captain officers, get all that together, get them all there. What they'll do is then they'll, they'll name it, they'll christen it, they'll launch it. They'll do all that stuff. The very last thing that happens with uh, this new ship, this new vessel, uh, is, the, is the commissioning. Now, used to, this is what it consisted of. The captain would assemble the crew on the deck. Uh, he would receive his orders. Then he would relay those orders to the crew. They would make their first entry in the log, and then they would set sail. The ship has just been commissioned. It's exciting, isn't it? Like, oh, that doesn't seem like that great of a deal, really. It's kind of anti Climactic there. Something incredible was just communicated. You know what that captain understands? This doesn't belong to him. Get that? He received his orders from somebody else. The Navy is communicating clearly. This doesn't belong to you. You know what the crew understands? This isn't yours to do with what you want. They're not out there able to go here and there. What's been communicated is this belongs to somebody else. You're a steward of this thing. It's not yours. You're part of it indeed. But it's not yours to do whatever you want to with. There is a clear purpose already established for this thing. Absolutely. And we call this time right here where Jesus ascends and he gathers his people together, his, this first church together. And he does what we call the Great Commission. You know what he's telling them? I don't need you to figure this thing out. I'm not passing the baton. I'm not letting loose of the reins. I'm not trying to leave it up to your ingenuity or creativity. I had a purpose in mind before the thing was ever established. So I don't need you to figure it out. I just need you to get on board with the purpose of the intention I had. That's it. The great commission, the greatest commission, their purpose is made clear. Get the gospel of the entire world. 
That's it. So he began a work. Jesus began a work during his earthly ministry that he intends to continue by way of the local New Testament church. And it's the work of getting the gospel to the entire world. So here's Theophilus reading all about it in this letter, this incredible account. You say, that's great. What does that have to do with us? Well, this is Open Door Bible Baptist Church. It's a church. You know what can happen to us sometimes? Sometimes we can be like Theophilus might have been. Before he got this second letter, Theophilus, as far as he was concerned, uh, may have looked at Jesus as somewhat of a figure of the past. Uh, Yeah, I know all about him. Somebody may have asked, hey, you heard of this Jesus of Nazareth? I mean, much of what he would have read about was still kind of buzzing amongst the cities, you know, this big stir that Jesus had made or whatever, or his followers, Paul, by this point, he would have probably heard of him. Uh, certainly, Paul had been to Troas before this book was ever written, this letter was ever written. And so, so, so Theophilus may have looked at Jesus as a, a figure of the past. Somebody may have asked, you ever heard of this fella? Oh, yeah, I know all about this fella, uh, Jesus of the Nazareth. I know all about him. Uh, somebody wrote a letter to me about him. I, I read it. I know all about him. I know who he was. Did you pick up on that? I know who he was. I know all about what he did and what he taught. And we can be that way sometimes. You say, well, I'd never say that. That's silly. I'm not talking about, like, verbalizing it. It just kind of happens. Our actions kind of communicate it. And we live. We, we live as though, perhaps, Jesus, he was just a figure of the past. And what it does is it, it really messes up our approach to this right here. The assembly. The local assembly. And you know what we do? Here's the thing. If Jesus is a figure of the past... If he's no longer, this is why I say we live this way. Maybe you don't think about it this way, it's the way we live. If he's just a figure of the past, if he's no longer really interested in what's going on today in this thing called the local New Testament church, well, we can really make church about whatever we want to make it about, right? So in that light, uh, my service to the church or my commitment to the church, I mean, it can stop at like just coming and sitting in a pew, right? That's what church is about, isn't it? Or... Uh, my service to the church, I mean, it can just be about, you know, uh, doing my, my duty, check, doing my, you know, I don't, I don't want to feel guilty. It's, it's the right thing to do. I'm just, you know, I, I just got to, you're supposed to go to church. And that can be where our commitment to the church stops. Or it can be about relationships. You understand what I'm saying? Church can just become, if, if Jesus is not around anymore, if, if it's not about him, then it can just become about anything. And we can be satisfied with just anything with regard to the local New Testament church. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. The purpose that Jesus had for the local New Testament church back then when he established the thing is the same purpose that he has for the local New Testament church today. Jesus is not a figure of the past, my friend. He's alive and well. And he's still very much interested in what takes place in the local New Testament church and just as he was interested in the local New Testament church of Theophilus day being about publishing and broadcasting the gospel to the entire world he is still very much interested today in the local New Testament church being about broadcasting the gospel that he went through so much to provide to the entire world he's got a purpose for this thing huh 
He's got a purpose for it. And don't you know the local New Testament church, it's not something that we come to. It's something that we're a part of. And so if he's got a purpose for the local church, that means he's got a purpose for every single member. That means that none of us can excuse our work. None of us can just lay it aside and say that's somebody else's business. No, that purpose that he has for the church is the purpose that he has for you. We have a reason to be here. Isn't that good? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that encouraging? I don't listen. I'm not just floating around in this world. There is much more to this thing than me appeasing my conscience. This isn't just something. It is the thing. That's why we're here. You know why you're here? It's not just to work a job. It's not just to be some professional. It's not just to, to, to have your house and to have your family and to live a good, clean life. That's not why we're here. We're here because four million people need a light shining brightly. That's why. That's the purpose. Indeed. That's it. Jesus is alive and well. Still interested in what's going on today. Still interested in it taking place here He began a work that he still to this day intends to continue. Jesus intends to continue that work today. And he intends to use each and every one of us. He intends to use local New Testament churches. And so what we need today, if that is indeed the case, what we need today is we need more churches. Huh? If this thing was designed, you think about this, people, I'm done. I got to be, I'm so, I'm supposed to be done already. Listen, you know what the cry is today? We got to make the church relevant. That's it. We just got to make the church relevant. It's lacking relevance in today's culture and society. You know what that you know what that you know what that shows? That shows a lack of understanding regarding the local New Testament church, because if I understand the purpose of the church properly, and it is indeed to broadcast the gospel, publish the gospel to the entire world. If that's the purpose of the local New Testament church then it has never been more relevant than it is today. Why? Because there have never been more lost people on this earth. And that would actually mean then that every day the church does not lose relevance. It only becomes more and more relevant. Why? Because the need becomes greater and greater. And in this northeast corridor, you want to see this country change? You want to see something take place here great? Then what we need is a revival of churches. We need churches that aren't just doing church for church's sake. We need churches that understand it's not all about what's going on in here. It's not all about me that the work isn't here that this thing isn't an end it is a means to an end the work begins when we leave the doors that's what we need you want to see this country change that's how churches in this area of our country being revived refreshed and renewed in their purpose going out and doing the work of a church more churches planted up here to make a difference in this country so anyways, that's it. Isn't that exciting? We have a reason. It's not just because your pastor is a great preacher. Huh? There's more, there is a, there's a greater reason to come on a Sunday night than just to hear a great man preach. There's more to it. It's not just about, hey, you know what? It's not just about, you know, doing the right thing, you know, just... So I was right. I know it's just right. It's not just about doing doing a good thing. It's not just about being in your place. There's a greater purpose out there, and this is a part of it. We come here to get prepared for out there. That's it. That's exciting. That makes church take on a whole new light, huh? To know that Jesus is indeed at work today, 
He's got a purpose today, as he always has had. Jesus began a work during his earthly ministry. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. When he ascended into heaven, he left behind two things. Lost people and a New Testament church. The work of providing the gospel was done. But the work of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus' provision had just begun. And the local New Testament church is the institution created by Christ to carry out that work. So the world needs more churches doing the work of a church because the world needs a gospel. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for these folks and their patience and their attentiveness. There's no work too great for you. Father, help us to run this race, to run it all out. Help us not to have a defeated mindset. Lord, if if there's not anything else going to be done in these last days, then that's fine, but help us to leave that up to you and just run with everything that we have. I believe you can still do a great work. I pray that you'd begin it here. And we pray. Amen.